0: Hello, world. Welcome to another episode of the Deep Dive with Eyal Shai. My guest today is Lucas Rosenstock. Hi, Lucas. Hello.
1: Good to be here.
0: Yeah, thanks. It's good to have you here. Uh, I'm really interested to learn from you what is an idea that has been helping you live well? So, one of the things that I have been
1: thinking about is identity. And by identity, I mean, um, Who am I and what are the things that define who I am? And especially like how many uh, things are there that um, define my identity? And at the same time, um, what are the people that have an influence on identity? And um, like, what are the people that, um, that define who I am or who you are? And for me, the idea that, or like the the approach that I would take towards my identity is what I call as um, control and diversify your identity. And by that, I mean that um, be in control of your own identity. That means you have the agency um, on who you are and don't let anyone else define that or don't give anyone else too much influence over that. And the second aspect is diversify. And that means don't don't try to make a single thing, anything in your life, your whole identity.
0: Yeah, that's um, those are questions that are definitely important to me and, and we'll get to that, I guess, during the interview. Um, yeah, so if we started with the control aspect, um, I'd like to hear a little bit about the, the origin story of this idea in your life. Um, presumably, it's there to... Um, solve for something or has helped you make a leap at some point Uh, what's the story there yeah so
1: um i would i would prefer not to start with my my own life i would like to um give an example that i've read um recently um about the dangers of not being being in control and um Mm. that's the um that's an idea that's uh, known as audience capture, and it's something that a lot of people who are in the public, like influencers or even politicians and journalists, um, suffer from. And that is this idea that um, you start out with with something, and you, um, and then you get feedback from from the people who listen to you, and then you, whatever you do, um, starts. Um, getting shaped by whatever feedback you get. And at the end, you basically become what your um, audience um, wants um, you to be. And a um, good um, example that I've recently um, read about, um, there was this um, YouTuber, I think he's called like Nico Cardo or something. And he started out as, um, as a vegan and doing and he was also doing mu- music videos. And then at some point he um, said, oh, I don't want to be a vegan anymore. And then he started doing these mukbang videos where you like record yourself um, while eating. And then that kind of resonated with the audience. And because the these videos were so popular with his audience, um, he um, he started making more extreme versions of these videos like he would be eating more stuff and a lot of unhealthy stuff and like huge amounts of this. And, and the the audience would cheer on him and um, he would become like a totally different person than this um, like health conscious vegan that he started out. Now he's the guy who's popular for like eating five McDonald's meals uh, at once or whatever. God. And um, just I wanted to start with this because I find this is like a um, really good example um, about like the dangers of it Um, as per my own life i wouldn't say like i'm i'm a person with like a huge um audience or anything but i would say like this this whole idea of being in control i think that's something that has um um that has been with me my my whole life and um i think even even like when i when i was a child or when i was a teenager I really tried doing like my own thing and I I was kind of afraid of being like part of like large groups or something because I was somehow afraid that someone else would like try and control who who I am um, or may, make me do things that I didn't want to do. And um, yeah, I think this whole idea of being in control and having like the agency to like decide what what I do and what I don't do and how people see me. I think this is something that has has somehow always been been with me.
0: Yeah I I can share an interesting experience that they had that, that relates to this. So um, right after my mandatory army service here, I flew within the week, I think, to Georgia, to the middle of the forest, the Georgia the US state, and stayed there and for two months, I think, I didn't even call back home. Uh, I just wanted to do my thing, disappear there, kind of do my uh, into the wild phase. And I did make plans with my childhood friends, three of them, so that they would come pick me up. Uh, We would buy a car and start a, a road trip around the States. Right. So I was just out there on the farm and there were other people from the States and I just got to reinvent myself and be who I wanted because nobody knew me. And not consciously, I was just being who I was there, right? So after four months or so, I'm reunited with my friends from back home. And it's just a most bizarre experience when you realize they are, to them, I'm just a that they knew all their life. But actually, in four months away from the environment I grew up in, I became a, a different person. And this was the first time I was realizing it. Um, and that was the first time when I felt like I actively had to resist being put in the old role, right? That I was in from back home. And it was truly strange. And I feel like I did stand my ground in a sense and managed to, um, yeah, to still have the agency to be the person that I now want to be. And after that, I had the sense that, okay, this is something that I actually need to do. But um, yeah, it was very, very interesting to, to note this in real time, because, um, you know, people... Expect a certain reaction from you because that's like your personality. That's how they know you. And then you're in this position. It's like I'm not going to react like that because that's not who I am now. So there's confusion and awkwardness, <laughs> happening.
1: Yeah, I I really like that that story, and um, I I think I think it's kind of interesting. But if I look at my life, I I don't I don't think I have like these certain events like, like you had with your, um, like being four months cut, uh, cut away from like your environment. I, I don't have these, these events for myself where I say, okay, this has changed me in a way that is like very much rec- recognizable for, for others. So I, I just find it like uh, interesting when people have this, this, ex- these profound experiences that change them because for me, I I mean I'm certainly not the the person that I was 20 years ago, but I don't think there was like this event that changed it. I think it was more like a gradual change, and in some ways this could also mean like this this idea of control is also being okay. I find it difficult to be uh, to like completely redefine myself and. Like being in control maybe also means like, okay, I will expand my comfort zone at my own pace and mm, yeah. um, just make small changes, maybe in the direction of where I want to be. And uh, in, instead of having these like revelations and then then, then change.
0: Hmm. So what could be a, a small thing or like what are some tendencies or maybe small things that you've noticed where... You know, you you might have found part of your identity to actually be kind of decided on it's because it's sometimes from a young age, right? It's just like, oh, Lucas, he's always been X, right? And then you're often like, I never wanted to be X, and I don't have to be X, and I'm not X now. So, <laughs> um, what I what I
1: would say is that um, I think in in some ways I have. Um... I I still have like similar values and and similar ideas um, that I that I used to have. Um, for example, like the kind of work that I'm doing right now, I I, I think I always had this idea. That I want I want to go in 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 that direction professionally. Um, I think the um, thing that has changed most about myself is uh, is just uh, I would say confidence in general. Like I'm much more. Um, confident uh with with who i am and also in the um in the way that i react to uh, react to other people
0: yeah and um i i also totally can see your point about the famous people which is something that i've been thinking a lot about now having this podcast and maybe for the first time just these last few days starting to uh, go public with my ambitions for it, with my wishes for it, with with the wishes that are to do with myself and owning the fact that I would like to see it um, grow. And with it comes uh, responsibility and also uh, visibility in the public space, right? And to be yeah. honest, it's like what you describe is terrifying to me where people are then, without actually having the one-on-one interaction with you are starting to, um, yeah, basically just classify you as this and that. And I know there's a beautiful blog post from Tim Ferriss about all the downsides of being famous. And it's it's really, really good. Um, people should look it up in his blog. But basically he says, it's like, even if because out of 10,000 people who now know your name, there are going to be on average, I don't know, at least a couple who are completely cuckoo and they think they know you, you know you're the object of their obsession in terms of uh, their infatuation or whatever fantasies they have or something like that. And um, yeah, it's terrifying. And you can you do anything about it? That's the scary question. I'm not sure you could.
1: Yeah, I think, I think um, a lot of people... Um um don't think about the downsides of fame and uh, they want to be recognized they want to be known but yeah it it comes with some downsides that people only see when it's probably too late but i don't uh, i don't think this is only a problem like when you're famous or when you have um like like a big audience even people who are like the complete opposite of uh of famous they are only known like in a very small circle or they only have a few um Close friends. Um, I think even these people are um, like shaped shaped a lot by by their surroundings. Um, and um, I mean, as they say, you are the average of the five people you spend most time mm-hmm. with. And um, but what I what I'm really um, thinking is that um, a lot of it comes from this this need uh, for for belonging. And um, I I. I so often I hear people uh, like saying like oh I'm I'm looking for my people I'm looking for my tribe they they are looking for people they can they can relate to and um, it it's it's like a it's like a very human need like I think I think we have these two needs on the one hand we want to be unique we want to express ourselves but then also we want to uh, be part of something and and belong something uh, somewhere and um, so it can be uh, like this whole idea of like controlling your identity and just being completely independent. That can, that can be difficult than you, when you are also embedded in a community and they have like certain expectations of, of who you are. Yeah. And you yeah. might be, might be afraid to, um, I mean, you might be afraid of like, uh, um, not uh, like not being who they want you to be because because then they might might leave you as well.
0: Yeah uh, that's I, I agree I mean I, I live in a community where we honestly don't feel like part of of the, the norm here and that's that can be difficult and I've always felt like the type of person who doesn't belong anywhere like'm I'm, I'm a maverick doing my own thing um but for me I think part of the healing has been, Understanding that um, I can share the the wishes of other people of doing well in life, and I can be a lot more uh, flexible today with actually appreciating and accepting the fact that they have views that are different from me, you know, and and still not be completely um, in in fear over the fact that we don't agree on some things as of yet and I think that um, that's been really helpful like understanding that people out there they want to do well um, and they have a different way of doing it and kind of making making your uh, boundaries or or criteria a lot more flexible and and not so rigid
1: yeah I'm I'm curious um to know how it how it was for you like um making this realization that um like you you are maybe different from the the people around you and was that something you felt um good about or is the something that we're at point you you would have thought that okay maybe it would be easier for me if I was if i was like more like them
0: yeah you know one, one thing that it brings to mind is the this stupid adage <laughs> which i hate which is um Ignorance is bliss. Never felt it. Never wanted to be more ignorant than, than I have to be. Um, don't believe in it. And and that seems to be... Uh, but that's that's a very prevalent thing to say. Um, so I, I never had this wish to be like everyone else explicitly. But then again, going to a faraway place where nobody knows me and stuff, you realize that... Uh, it's not just the stuff that's explicit in your mind that counts and that you have been shaped a certain way. So, um, now for example, I'm dealing with something in my life of just understanding that I grew up in an environment that does not value, um, excellence or being, or being like a shining in some way, because I grew up on a kibbutz, which is this egalitarian communist society at its heart. It hasn't been for a long time, but the the kind of culture lingers on. And, you know, understanding that I was never encouraged to do something exceptional while always feeling in my heart that maybe I do want that. So now I have to to go and and tend to that and and look at that uh, conflict and rid myself of the tendency to violently put myself down in a sense, right? Um, So I explicitly I never wanted to be like, like other people but I think growing up and being around people when you're pre-verbal you still inherit a lot of from the culture that you grow up in right
1: yeah definitely and i, I think it's um probably uh what I think is uh, one of the biggest uh ways to deceive yourself is to is to think that you are free of uh, of influence from your surrounding mm-hmm. i i don't think anyone even if if I say that's that's may what I aspire to, um, it would be delusional to say okay i'm I'm just my own independent person and because obviously um, my my environment has has shaped me.
0: Right, yeah, so I'm wondering how that relates to the to the second part uh, that you mentioned of diversifying if that is something that comes when this realization, Hits that, you know, you need to keep your sovereignty when kind of finding an identity that you feel comfortable with um, is diversifying something that's involved when the um, building on top of, of the old stuff comes into play?
1: Um, so when it comes to this diversification, um, I, I would say even, even if now I would say it like both control and diversification is good. Um, and as I said before, like, control has always been something that has been eh, quite important for me, um, not to get, like, too much outside influence that um, that interferes with me as an independent person. Um, regarding diversification, I think that's something I, from, for a long time, I had too little of um, um, because I... Th- at some at some point, I had like these few ideas of like that's 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 who I'm, that's what I what I should do, and um, like this idea. Okay, I want to um, I I want to build a business. I want to make my own products, and like that's that's kind of the only thing that I um, that I that I value my my life based on. And I say, okay, there's all these other areas, and I I would either um, I, I might have neglected them, or I would have thought, okay. Like, what's the purpose of um, of succeeding in, in in any of them if I don't uh, like follow my um, my main goal and um, so 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 for me, I think for for um, for quite some time, um, I was like completely focused on one thing, and then um, late, later, uh, only I, I I became like more of the opposite. Like, I'm I'm more open to like doing doing more more different things and, um, ex- exploring like, like different, different options. Um, that, I mean, other than, than the one that I was, was focused on before. And, um, I, I really believe in this, this idea, um, of diversity, because I think, um, it leads to, um, some sort of resilience. Um, because, um, if there's just one thing that, that, that defines you and then <clears throat> you, um, and then you fail in that, you feel like you failed as a person. But when you have different things, um, you you may have something else to um, to rely on. So um, I, I was thinking of this um, this metaphor as like different identities or different things that you do, uh, things you like, things that define you. They are like different different layers um, around you, and um, like when they. Obviously, the more you have, the more they add up, and that gives you resilience because it's like a um, like a stronger armor against um, some attacks that threaten your identity. But then at the same time, because you're you're wearing um, more of them, um, you have to wear them lighter, and that means you're less likely to be um, to to have one thing that you're um, too much obsessed with. Um, to the exclusion of maybe other things that could that could also be relevant.
0: Yeah, I I couldn't agree more. I mean, and uh, yeah, I can I can come at it from different angles. But first of all, thinking that you know yourself absolutely is is actually dangerous. It's actually dangerous if you're so invested in being the type of person who does this or is. You know, and it's and it's going to make you to put up a facade. Um, well, life throws curveballs at you, and it can surprise you. And sometimes yeah. it's going to throw the type of curveball that um, doesn't allow you to go with the facade that you that you're used to projecting on the outside, and that could lead to suicide in the most extreme cases. So yeah. i I've, I've known these people in my life, and that's always a tragedy. And these are the people that you know, in retrospect you say it was just I just wish they wouldn't be so hard on themselves, right? Or that they would have something else that that they that they could go to the, so that they integrate it into a, a more a longer story with uh with an arc that includes a rise and a fall and a rising up again instead of being so invested in this story that's supposed to just linearly go up and never go down. Um and I think that is that is very important. Interestingly, I find that um, there's a book by Kurt Vonnegut called uh, Blue Beard and it's about the uh, it's about a fictional character with some real life characters that are fictional, but they're in there. Um, and I think he talks about um, the suicide of Mark Rothko, I believe there in that book. And um, at least in the book, he makes um, Rothko realize that, first of all, he was very, very, very um, talented at one thing. And then he kind of moved on to doing this other thing, which was just this ridiculous play with, um, like, airbrush or something like that. And um, I think it was like uh, he was excellent at sports at first or something. And it's actually he went on to do something that he sucks at so that he can d- doesn't have to have the pressure of being really good at something which is ostensibly good but then in a in a in a t- twist of fate he becomes really successful making these ridiculous artworks right that for some people people uh, for some reason people really like and then he actually goes and kills himself because he's actually become very good at something which you try to be kind of bad at um, and didn't want the pressure. Um, so I don't know. It's portrayed um, realistically enough so that it's it's something to to ponder on. But, um, yeah, I guess my, my point is that, um, yeah, it, it could actually be dangerous to, to base your identity on just this one thing that you're supposed to be very good at.
1: Yeah. I'm just thinking about this, um, what they say is called the club 27, all these um, Mm. musicians that, um, that died at age uh, 27, probably most, mostly through suicide because they, um, they were already quite successful, like in their, maybe their late teens, early twenties. So they, they, they they were like this one thing, and like society was expecting them to be just one one thing, and they didn't have this um, this opportunity to um, to like explore. If uh, they just they just had to perform, um, what again bring bring back to this idea of audience capture? They had to perform uh, like society expected them to, and they they just couldn't do it
0: yeah yeah absolutely so now you've just given me an idea it's uh probably every person who's really good at something should also open a, a twitter account or whatever where they post the just terrible doodles that or whatever yeah. it is they really suck at you know showcase that to uh, make one post it's like make sure that it's alternating between what you're very good at and what you're very bad at and yeah. Yeah, I mean, there's something healing about being able to expose things that you know you're not in the, um, not even in the top 10% of and be like, hey, that's, you know, I, I own that part. And, uh, of course, self humor can be a, a really good way of doing it, of keeping yourself grounded in that sense. Um, yeah. Um, has there been anything in your life that you've kind of, um, mindfully added in order to diversify mm, that's a that's a good question
1: because um i'm I'm not sure if there's like one specific thing that i that I um could mention um but, but I would say like a lot of the um as said um I'm like a lot of uh, my life I was really focused on what i was probably most good at which is like creating software programming and um and that's that's what i that's what i wanted to do and and i felt i have because like quite at an at an early um stage i was i was really focused on doing things and then i was mostly thinking about things that i could create with these skills and i didn't um I didn't uh, like read enough, or I didn't uh, like e- expose myself to um, new ideas, and I think that's something that I um, have started a few years ago when I uh, when I start to get involved in uh, in the effective Altruist community, just to have like um, some some ideas that are like different from from my work and like engaging with them on a regular basis, and then um, again during the pandemic with uh, online communities like the interintellect uh, where i um where i try to actively um like engage with uh, with some new things and and meet some some people that were maybe in like a different different line of work um but all all these were what i uh, what i would say like intellectual exercise in a way that it was just like different ideas different information and now i'm um now I'm thinking about um, like what could be something um, that I that I should try or that that I should do in my life that is like completely non-intellectual in a in a sense.
0: Yeah, I mean, I have a suggestion, <clears throat> and I'm just lucky to have my wife, who is coming more from the world of um, physical exercises and and that world, and seeing her um, evolution in that field from. Like Pilates instructor uh, and gym instructor, more into the world of natural movement, um, natural parkour, and things like that. And I owe her a lot for introducing me to this to this kind of stuff because I'm definitely a, a person who's uh, who can be in his head too much. So going outside and working on. You know, skills that are transferable event- eventually because, you know, if you work on your range of motion with your body and I'm a work in progress, it's like I wish I would be much more active in that space. Um, but, you know, keeping your range in, uh, range of motion, flexibility, bravery when you have to um, leap between um, two things outside and, you know, you could fall, it could hurt, you um, yeah that's that's just uh one suggestion <laughs> yeah
1: yeah I, I mean like doing something more physical that's that's certainly something i'm um thinking about and um i would like to to get back to one thing which i also just mm-hmm. um remembered when you were saying like <clears throat> even doing something different that could give you some something that could also be applicable to other areas of your life and um um, what I think is like another advantage of, um, diversification of your interests and, um, and w- like the things that you do is that, <clears throat> that the more ideas you expose yourself to, you more, the more you can also bring them together. Like this whole idea of, um, combinational creativity or, um, what some people like to call idea sex, that is like <clears throat> mm-hmm. taking very different ideas and bring them together and, um I've seen um, a lot of people who are like, maybe like changing, changing their, their fields, um, like their professional fields. And then they find like things from their previous career that they can um, apply in their new career. And um, the same goes like with any interests or um, hobbies that you have, where you might learn something about yourself um, that, that you can then apply in, in other areas.
0: Yeah, my my wife has this amazing uncle who uh, went, he studied medicine, you know, so for seven years or whatever that was, immediately upon uh, graduation, went to work for Intel for like 25, 30 years, right? So never did anything with his his, uh, medicine um, degree. And then after that, quit, started his startup uh, startup. And his startup is now in the uh, medical sector, uh, training doctors to you know receive um, a case, and uh, it's it's a made up case even, but that's how they learn for their yearly exams in the U.S. or something, some regulation. But you know, so like you say, it it always comes in handy, and it's something that I find talking with people, just approaching people, because for every podcast that I make, I make at least two or three curiosity calls with people outside of this space, of the recorded space. And I always find that there's something to take away. So from coding, for example, I'm gonna mess up the <laughs> the terms, but there's source code, right? And that's the long form thing of a function, right?
1: Yeah, okay, go, go on. And-
0: and, and, and wh- make the full analogy, then I'll tell you how good it is. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Yeah. 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 So I I thought that was um, yeah. So there's source code, like the long form, drawn out way of of making a function, and then there's the short form, which I'm not sure what the name of that is. What is it? Um, that would be like the compiled code or the machine code. The compile. Okay. So perfect. And for me as a dialectician, like thinking <clears throat> about concepts. This maps on perfectly because to work on a concept and kind of think about what love is or what justice is, you need to look at at many different angles and you have a lot of information that kind of feed your understanding about the thing. But at some point, an understanding that's not moving, a a real grasp of, of a concept it kind of emerges from all the things that you know and is there, and it's beautiful, it's elegant, and it's completely packed, right? And you have mm. the benefit that you can unpack it and you understand how you reach that thing. So maybe you want to unpack it periodically and look at it, make sure that it's it's working and all that. Um, but it's it's just beautiful how our human mind can make these analogies or metaphors and carry things from one field to the next. And um, yeah, you could, uh, there's almost no thing that's completely pointless to learn, except maybe, you know, just trivia facts, I guess, that sometimes that cannot, that that's not applicable.
1: <laughs> I mean, the, you could learn trivia facts and then you can tell them to other people. And then uh, if that means you make a good impression on other people and they like you for it, then (laughs) it it has its benefit.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Yeah.
1: Um, One, one thing that I, um, that I think is also, um, related to this is then like bring ideas together. Um, I also feel like there's a lot of, um, areas where people take like small, small things, um, that aren't like really like very important in the greater scheme of things, like what kind of uh, note taking tool you use? Are you a Notion user? Are you an obsidian user? Are you an Evernote user? And, and then they, they engage like in, in flame wars, like what, what tool is better. Uh And, um, I, I don't really find these like also so interesting. So I, I find this question like is a better or is B better? I, I don't find like, really interesting because I think the really interesting question is how can maybe A and B be combined or how can I, um, take the best thing from A and B and create a better thing C. And, um, I think that's, that's, that's like the more interesting question is really looking at, at the world or at the different things as, um, not something where you have to pick something and then defend your choice, but more as something of, um, I can I can use all these as resources, as inspiration, and um, maybe I like this one better or this one better. But I don't need to um, make it all about this this decision of like what is better, but more about um, um, like bringing bringing things together.
0: Right. I I remember this uh, major watershed moment in my life actually, uh, where I realized. You know, I'm going to look at what it means to, I think I used with myself the the concept of happiness back at the time, which I wouldn't do now, I would say doing well or living well. Um, But back then I realized that I was now experimenting with and thinking about what it would mean to be happy for me. And then I realized, you know, I need to experiment with that and be open to the possibility that I'm going to find that my thoughts about what makes me happy have not been correct, right? So then it's kind of like, um, it's like the John Lennon quote, right? It's like they asked me in school what I wanted to do when I grow up. I told them uh, I wanted to be happy. And, um, or what is it? Yeah, (laughs) right? And they said, no, no, we... <laughs> oh, I, I bungled it, but <laughs> and then they said it was like, no, we meant in terms of like what you're going to do, and they're like, I, you didn't understand the question, right? What is what? Is it? it was something like that.
1: <laughs> yeah, yeah, I've
0: uh, I, I've heard this before. I, I, I yeah, really like um, <laughs> and you know, I I think that's important because if you go up one level and you're looking at, at a certain way you want to be you have to entertain the possibility that it would entail doing something very different from what you've been doing if in fact you haven't been able to feel the feelings that you wanted or be in perfect harmony with yourself or something like that and that also means that um, and i've had i've heard that with people and with my wife as well people who are sometimes very much invested in a career that they've built and later on in life they find that they did that for the wrong reasons like maybe they chose that path only because one parent was so impressed with them right but actually it's not what brings them intrinsic joy and uh, later on they're like okay i guess i have 20 years of experience doing this one thing but like it or not, I have to step away and doing this other thing because it makes me happier, even though I might be a complete beginner, even though I might have to get an entry-level job now. Um, but what can you do, right?
1: Yeah. And um, I think this this goes back to this um, idea of, like, con- control. And, um, and in some ways, it's like, a, a, I would say it's um, a double-edged sword because... Um, Obviously, there's again. This is like a good example of where you basically did something because someone else thought that's that's who you should be, and it wasn't really what what you wanted. But then at the same time, like the downside of like really trying to um, to to control yourself is also that you might close yourself off to um, to the things that come from the outset that could show you a better way. And if you just say, "Oh no, 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 I'm I'm," who I am and I don't want, I don't want to change, um, even if it doesn't make you happy. So yeah, that, that kind of makes it, uh, difficult. So you need to, um, like really find the fine line between, um, not blindly following what other people say, but also not, um, ignoring them and something, sometimes they may be able to, to show you a way that could make you more happy in, in the end.
0: Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I'm I'm thinking about something and I, I wonder what your thoughts are going to be about because now I realize there are people in the public sphere um that make a move uh like a career change presumably because the thing that they're famous for is actually not in the in the in the larger scope uh, very um respectable. So I'm thinking models and maybe uh sports players. Uh, people who tend to over time try to move into different roles in media. So the model who's actually now trying to be also a singer or a TV presenter or something like that, where the move seems to be coming from a place of, I'm um, actually, um, yeah, I guess, I guess it's it, it's it's both an act of control and diversification. Uh, But it's interesting because I feel like there is uh, a a subliminal assumption that they're going to do well in that field. They actually really want to do well in that field, you know, and they're moving into a new field. And I feel like there is still a lot of stress about it. So I was just trying to think of an example where, yes, there's control, yes, there's uh, diversification, but it's... Could be quite hard to bear uh, mentally if things don't work out at your new kind of thing.
1: Yeah, I mean it's it's a big risk when you're successful in in one thing, and and I mean, you gave that example before of that person who tried to do something completely different, which they thought they were were bad at. Um, but I I would say like most people when they try and enter a different field, they um, they try to be good good there as well and. If they are already used to success, um, they certainly want to want to replicate um, success. And I think um, I mean, obviously, most of the examples that come to mind are people who are um, famous in fields where that that fame is like very um, you could say it's, it's not really permanent because uh, like especially when you are um, like when you are a sports player, you can only play, play professional sports up to a certain age. Um, so you, you need to plan, um, what you can, what you can do afterwards. And, um, but ideally you, you can start with it as a point where everyone still knows you as the, uh, as the famous sports person. Like when you, um, like if everybody knows you as, um, as this, uh, sports player, and then you start your business, you, you can take your fame with you. You will all, uh, already have, um. Uh, potential um, buyers for whatever you're you're trying to sell them, and like if what you sell them is is like really good, you can you can take that way beyond your um, your current sports career.
0: Yeah, yeah, I think um, I I and again I think that is going to be, um, yeah, it's it's something that you have to kind of tread carefully around this uh, transference of skills but also transference of expectations and the feeling that you that you know people because they might not be even though they're good at one thing doesn't mean that they're good people and and so on and that seems to be such a hard thing to get into people's heads it's like you know don't expect the sports player who grew up in a really bad neighborhood to then become a, a a beacon of light in a world in terms of personalities like they're still carrying their childhood traumas with them their friends are still their old friends from the neighborhood in many cases and um, yeah that's that's also something that's important so if, if we even move from the first person perspective of trying to control your identity diversify your identities like also us as knowing other people we need to keep in mind that we only know a very tiny sliver or like a, one very small aspect of their personality. We don't go with them home after the game or after the show or after that, and for some reason that's that seems to be a challenge too
1: yeah, definitely definitely um i I think uh, when we look at other people um, it's um, we probably don't know as much about them as we as we think we they do.
0: Yeah, so I'd say even, you know, there's a point to be made about kind of keeping an open mind and remember that other people are more diverse than we realize. It's not just diversifying ourselves for our own sake, but also keeping an open mind and realize that people are are diverse in ways that we don't know about them. Um, Because this could save us from so many things you know we we are prone to trust people based on their skill in just this one domain um and then be shocked when they don't act as uh, role models um yeah so societally i think that's a that's an important uh, point to make
1: yeah and um i think it's really important to keep this uh, in mind because it also means like how we um how we treat other people we we meet. And, um, when you, like, when you, when you want to connect with people, um, I think it's really important to understand that, yes, you may have like some idea of who they are, but that is just like one aspect of them. And they are like a fully rounded human, human being, um, ideally that, um, that you're talking to. And, um, yeah, it's, it's, it's really helpful to, to understand that Everyone is maybe going through a similar similar things, and you have like, you probably have things you can connect like on like totally totally different levels that you that you don't even know about that person. But um, yeah, it's it's I think it's really important to treat other people as like these full human beings and not just uh, something where you where you project your idea of uh, of what that you think that person is um, onto them
0: yeah absolutely uh, what do you think about like the I don't know if we maybe we touched on it but what would be the the dark side of diversifying if we had a dark side of controlling your identity where it could get into the point where it's dangerous for you because you know you're clinging on to appearances so badly that you know you might want to um, literally not exist in any other way uh, what would be the uh, yeah, failed attempt at diversification that could do more harm than good. Um, well, I would say
1: there's there's this um, trade off uh, where um, where you have to um, think of like how many how many things can you really um, focus on at the same time. And I have um, I've thought a lot about this idea, and I like to talk about like serial focus and parallel focus, and it's this idea of. Um, I mean, there are different different ways to diversify yourself, um, and one way, and which I'm which I'm seeing seeing quite often um, in other people, is uh, where you try to really double down on one thing, and you do it for for some time, and then, like from the outside, it feels like a sudden switch, but it was probably prepared on the inside, and then you um you start something new, and then then you end up being like all about this new thing, and um. I think this is certainly one one way to go about it. I would say, like, if you um, if you do that too frequently, uh, I don't think it's it's particularly healthy. And then the other approach would be uh, what I'm more um, inclined to do is this parallel focus, like having all these ideas on your mind and having all these things that you think you need to pursue all at the same time. And I think you easily get overwhelmed or um, burned out at this, and you are um, it's generally just like a more uh, complex way to live because um, you're kind of like overthinking and um, questioning all of all of your choices because you have like this this um, this huge pool of um, of things that you can draw from and, and thinking of ways that you could do or what you maybe shouldn't do and um, it's certainly a much harder way to live I would say than if you just say okay. Um, well, I'm I'm a software developer at work, and I care what my uh, there I care what my employer does, and then I go home and I'm a family man or or whatever. And you just have like this, I would say, much simpler life where you just say, okay, this is um, uh, this is this is just a few aspects of me. That's that's who I am, um, or like the other version where you say, okay, I want to be X, and then you look. Um, Okay. What? What? Uh, which again brings to the control aspect. Um, you start thinking. Okay. What? What are other people who are X? What do they do? And then you just try and become like them because you have like a role model that you can that you can imitate. And if you if you feel like, oh no, I want to make my own identity. It's uh, it's it's really easy to uh, like, especially when you have a lot of interests to put too many things on your on your plate, and then just get completely overwhelmed and you are not like very, very, uh, very secure in your, in your identity because it's always changing and fluctuating with all the different aspects, all the different things pulling on you.
0: Yeah. Yeah. I can, I can definitely, uh, see that it, it makes me remember that, you know, it's honestly, it makes me laugh when I do come across these, uh, podcasts or bio pages or whatever, where the person is like, has eight or nine it's like singer songwriter actor philanthropist businessman designer and all these things at some point it's like uh dude you really have to go with like a top three i'm glad for you that you've once designed something or did all these things but at some point it's almost um, kind of too too incredible right and um incredible in the sense that yeah it's hard to give credit for each and everything because we know that the one percent of designers are not yeah to be like the in the one percent or th- even ten percent of anything it's like that excludes you from being in the except for very exceptional cases you know it's going to mean that you're probably not going to identify some other things and there's something. Um, almost comedic about seeing people with these like nine or ten different things that they identify in.
1: Yeah, true. And um, I, I but I think at this uh, when you see these people, then it's also a lot about like bragging, bragging about how how many things you uh, you do, and um, like internally, I think it's uh, it's very much um about how comfortable are you with sharing. Parts of your identity that aren't like a big, big part of it. For example, when you call yourself like a podcast host, but then the last episode you recorded was like a year ago, would you would you still uh, be comfortable with calling yourself a podcast host, or would you call yourself like a former right. podcaster, or ever so? Um, and like that's that's the whole thing. Like when you when you have all these um, different different identities, the question is like, which ones are you comfortable sharing because you're. Um, they are an active part that that you can that you can uh, like honestly say okay this is this is something I do and not okay this is something I have done at one point in my life but I'm still saying it uh, because people may think that think better of me that way
0: yeah absolutely I have a rap song on as the pin tweet on my podcast page uh, my podcast Twitter account but I'm not gonna call myself a rapper anytime soon yeah so. <laughs> Yeah. Is there anything um, else, any aspect that we haven't covered of controlling and diversifying your um, your identity or something else you'd like to share?
1: Um, yeah, there's, there's one thing um, that I would like to um, go back to, and that is this um, mm-hmm. kind of trade-off which I mentioned um, um, earlier um, in this episode about the human need for belonging and this like whole finding your tribe idea and the need of uh, need for for agency. And um, what I'm feeling is like uh, this, the strength of desire for for this need for belonging, I think it's um, it's it's like really different in people. But I also think it's um, it's a function of um, of privilege in terms of like what kind of supportive environment you you grew up. Like if you're um, like if your family supported you if they um let you um do um do certain things you wanted um is it it's a lot about like financial security uh like can you can you even afford to disagree with your boss uh, and thing and um i think if you don't have this kind of supportive environment i i think that it that it could be really helpful to um try and and I'm. I'm not. I can't say how how easy easy this is because maybe I I was lucky to have, of it. But I'm, I'm thinking it could be really helpful to um, surround yourself with people who are who aren't so much into this tribalism of uh, okay this is who we are and you should be like us and you should be different and um, you should uh, be um, um you should try and find people who really value this this whole idea of diversity and everybody bringing like different, different things to um, the table. And um, um, I mentioned before that I was um, active in the effective altruist community. And I would like like to mention this again, because um, I remember in our um, first call where we uh, where we kind of like planned to um, to make this this podcast episode, we also talked about um, the EA community and um, mm-hmm. It had, it has also like shaped my my thinking on this area because I think um, the EA community is is a good example um, of people who are who are quite open minded um, because they believe in rationality and science and like change changing your opinion and valuing like different perspectives. But at the same time, I would say even like the EA community isn't isn't like perfect in a in a sense, and I think even this kind uh, this community is also like prone to certain kind of like group thing that especially with like more difficult topics where it's like very hard to make your opinion on uh, i think a lot of people in in ea they um kind of just take the perspective of some some influential people and that's that's certainly something you see in in every community and that's also why uh, again i I wouldn't like, I wouldn't probably want the EA community to be like my main identity. It's just like one, one aspect um, of um, what I do and what I'm, what I'm interested in. And um, yeah, I think, I think this, uh, this is something I wanted to, wanted to add.
0: Yeah. Well, I, I myself at some point um, joined or. Pledge the community, but I've never been um, active. I haven't really discussed EA with any other people, really, and I don't have strong opinions. But I know I did notice that they were getting some flack from a lot of people online. And I think it, like one theory I have, is that it has to do with the fact that they are basically proselytizing, like they are pro going out there and spreading the word and talking about. Um, the donations because supposedly it's going to um, inspire other people and so on. Um, and this is a, a kind of a top-down thing that started with the uh, with the founders of the movement. And I think that any movement that makes it a point to talk about what they do and, in a sense, convince people in the in the in how their ways is, is a good way to go. Um, it's it's going to meet backlash because uh, they're going to be talking to people who don't think we're going to find flaws and so on, and there's going to be conflict there. So I just think that this could possibly be uh, an ostensibly small thing that's part of the EA community, but a norm or an ethos that turned out to be quite harmful, if only because it now gives people a reason um, to kind of oppose this a, a bit of, like, aggressive marketing. It's not aggressive, but, um, yeah, just talking about this stuff. A lot of people are not are not responding well to other people, kind of talking about all the good that they're doing, right? And then, of course, it also gives place for people who are prone to join EA to feel like they're doing something and, and have their identity there and feeling superior if that's their thing. Um, so I think that was... Probably something that was built in there that might have been a mistake. No,
1: um, I'm not. I'm not so sure about this. Uh, I, I think um, it's the problem that you mentioned that um, people who are trying to do good. I think they, whether um, through EA or through anything, I think they will always um, get some backlash because um, a lot of people they they either feel threatened because they see other people doing doing more good than they do. Or people like second-guess them um, and uh, and they have this idea that there isn't like real altruism and they probably have like ulterior motives on why, why they're doing this and why are they um, spreading uh, these ideas. Um, what I think that the bigger problem with the backlash uh, or what causes the backlash towards the um, EA ideas is that... Um, because idea uh, EA has this has this foundation in rationality and science, um, these people um, think they uh, they, they uh, you easily think that okay just because this is scientifically proven, okay this is this is the truth and then you don't just don't go out and say okay hey I'm donating to this thing. Um, if they do it as an EA, they send this. Okay, I'm donating to this thing, and this is probably the best way to do good, and th- which kind kind of comes with a badge. Okay, you should be donating to the same thing, and if you're doing mm-hmm. anything else, even if you think it's good, it's probably not as effective. And um, I, I would say this is this is, in my opinion, one of the um, one of the primary reasons why um, EA is getting such a backlash
0: yeah yeah these are these are fair points i think they they also hold um a lot of weight um yeah i personally could never fi- find a real fault with AA because even if even if what your um complaint or argument is going to be that hey these guys are not as scientifically rigorous as they should be whatever you know look at the intention there and and the intention Matters, and I don't think that anybody from EA is mad at people who are donating their money to like less effective causes or something like that. It's um, yeah, one of those things where uh, I definitely think you're right that a lot of people are. Um, it is threatening. Um, just at its at its at its core, it's a threatening thing to not to be part of a movement that that says that it's doing good right or wrong and you know I'm sure some criticisms are are fair um, yeah yeah anyway but I don't I don't really hold any strong opinions in on that matter yeah well Lucas uh, I really really enjoyed this and this has been. Uh, mind-opening and very timely for me as I go through some um, personal yeah, uh, junctions in my life that require me to look at my identity and what's comfortable, what's uncomfortable, um, what's safe, what's unsafe, what's going to cause um, growth, and what's going to cause some pigeonholing. Um, so yeah. thanks so much for bringing this up Um I, uh, yeah, anything, anything thanks, else. Thanks for having for me,
1: me on this, on this podcast. And, um, uh, if I could give you uh, if I, if I have given you like any ideas that were helpful, I'm, I'm really glad and maybe we can like have this conversation again in a few months and see, uh, what, what came out of it for you.
0: Of course, of course. Yeah. Thank you. It, it really has, um, it it really has made me, um, think of interesting things that are applicable um yeah would you like to share with um listeners any type of uh, information about where you could be found online
1: um yeah sure so uh, i think the um best way to connect is on us on twitter my um, username on twitter is just my real name lucas rosenstock and um yeah so i i would say my twitter feed is also like pretty diverse (laughs) uh, in terms of the things that i post on so um I haven't let my Twitter account be defined just by one thing. And um, so just as a heads up, what you can expect when you follow me. But yeah, but I would love to connect uh, on Twitter.
0: Amazing. Fantastic. And yeah, I'll also have to get in the, into the habit of... Um, asking people to you know if you enjoyed this now there's a patreon page that is patreon.com slash my name so if anybody took anything good out of this and would like to help the mission uh you're welcome to go on there and support the podcast and apart from that just the usual boring stuff of like share subscribe (laughs) um yeah lucas thank you so much and uh, let's keep in touch
1: yeah, thanks again and hope to talk again soon.